0: Learn more online at MediaMakingChange.org. On this episode of the Nonprofit Happy Hour, we're spotlighting the work of Urban Nature Partners PDX. Be sure to check out their event on Wednesday, May 25th at Migration Brewery on North Williams from 5 to 9 p.m.
1: This is Phil Bussi. It's the nonprofit Happy Hour and X-ray FM. I am joined by uh, two of the people who make Urban Nature Partners PDX. I think I just scrambled that a little bit. um, happened. Nope, that was right. (laughs) Kristen Bolin is the founder and executive director, and Victoria Wingell is the one of the development coordinators. Thank you both for talking with me today. Thank you. So I want to start with the who, what, and Actually, I want to start with the where, because it is one of the important, it seems like one of the important components of this is you are setting up long-term one-on-one mentoring uh, by creating some access to the outdoors, but this isn't about going up to Mount Hood and summiting the peak. This is really about specifically wild urban spaces. Do I have that right?
2: Definitely. Yeah. Um, when I went looking for a program like this to work for, um, back in 2014, I didn't find a program in Portland that was focused on, um, our urban green spaces that even down to, you know, the neighborhood parks and the natural areas that are within, you know, an hour of Portland Metro, um, and giving all families access to those places that are not only close to home, but are low cost or free. um, And that really everybody should be able to get out and enjoy. So um, that's really why I decided to found this organization, especially for this age group, for um, youth in older elementary and middle school age range, um, who may get a week at outdoor school, but um, maybe a, you know, a, a school garden, um, but may not have some other regular opportunities to be outdoors, um, especially those, those really valuable places close to home. So yeah, that's really why I chose to focus um, on, on uh, Portland Metro urban green spaces and on this age group.
1: Yeah, and we'll talk about the age group in a, in a bit. I wanna uh, dig a little bit deeper into that where question because it, it it it's so integral in terms of uh that not only your organization can provide the experience but then later these these kids and as they grow up they can they can find those spaces on their own
2: exactly yeah and not only are we are we taking youth um on pair outings with their mentors to these places that are close to home, but when we're doing group outings, um, which we do prob- about 18 a year, so you know every other Saturday in the summertime, um, and then still going out during the rainy season and even up to the snow occasionally. Um, that focus is is family inclusive, so we have a lot of siblings and parents. Um, yesterday we did a container gardening outing, and we had an entire family of eight show up. Um, so we're giving Also that access and exposure to to whole families so that it makes it easier to replicate on their own. You know, they've got somebody organizing it for them and showing them where it is and what to do and that it's um, okay to be comfortable there um, and here are some of the things that are around us that are accessible. So yeah, that absolutely is the goal is to be able to have those experiences replicated by families or, you know, as our our young people grow up as as young adults and take their families too.
1: This may be a selfish question on my part, but what what are some of those good wild urban spaces you guys like to go to? (laughs) Well,
2: yesterday we were at Albina Community Garden um, just being hosted by the folks there. Um, to plant some vegetables and flowers in containers. Most of our youth don't have access to um, an outdoor space um, where they could plant something at their home, so we gave them pots to take home to for patios and, and porches and stuff. Um, but yeah, around around Portland Metro, you know, we'll go uh, east to Oxbow, uh, west and north to Sylvie Island, um, south to Tryon Creek, places like that. Everything in between, you know, Powell Butte, Mount Tabor. Um, the community gardens, even the, uh, the Sunday Parkways biking um, routes when that pops up in the summer. So yeah, just everything that's that's within our city boundaries and, and just outside.
1: Well, it doesn't sound like you guys are lacking for ideas of where to get out to.
2: Definitely. Yeah, we've been doing this for eight years. Um, I used to keep a map with (laughs) with pins of every just a Google map with pins of every place that not only have we gone as a group, but our pairs have gone and it just became so crowded that I gave up. Really, there's there's so many green spaces. Um, You know, when we match a brand new pair, um, we actually give them a paper map. And the first thing they do is unfold it, find their their home and then look at the green squares around it and say, "Have you been to this one and this one and this one?" So kids kind of get a chance to um, explore in a in an enlarging you know set of circles away from where they live um, to go further and explore more as their comfort builds, and that's that's so cool to watch happen.
1: And so we we we've you've bumped up against this a little bit, but there's a specific age, there's a specific who you are working with, both age group and and um, explain the who that is involved with Urban Nature Partners PDX?
2: Yeah, definitely. The, um, the typical young person that comes into our program is a 10 year old finishing fourth grade. Well, sometimes we go to third grade or fifth grade, depending. Um, and uh, a little bit selfishly on our part, we're sort of trying to catch them right before puberty. <laughs> so we have a little more of that childlike wonder still there and um, bonding with um, an adult mentor. Um, so that they have a really nice ground floor by the time things get crazy in middle school. And um, they're you know they're used to to being outdoors and they're used to that trust relationship. Um, so that's that's sort of the the strategy there is carrying them into, you know, into early adolescence. Um, but then in terms of their other demographics, we're working with um, after school programs and sometimes even teachers directly. And then um, now in the past couple of years with some social services organizations. Um, so we're going to to schools and to organizations that are serving lower income youth and families. Um, we don't want to means test anybody, you know, say give us your tax returns in order to join, so you qualify that's not fun or appropriate. So we go to um, places where we know um, they're serving the most marginalized communities and just say, hey, what, what kids would maybe like to spend some time outdoors and maybe could use another caring adult in their life. And we get way more referrals than we ever have mentors for, for sure.
1: Yeah, so talk to me about the other half of the equation then, uh, the mentors, Who, who's that? How are, they, how, are they, um, how are they finding you? How are you finding them?
2: Yeah, Um, we're typically getting about half and half folks that come from um, the environmental world that are wanting to add the component, the human component of working with young people, or then also folks coming from um, education or social services or even other nonprofit work um, who enjoy personally being outdoors and want to add that component to it. So it's kind of cool that everybody brings, you know, a set of expertise. So we might get a really expert birder and we also you know might get uh an adolescent mental health counselor and they can um put their you know put their skills together for the benefit of all of the youth and and all of the mentors too to build their skills in our program and that's really fun
1: and and um talk to me a little bit more about the how you make that sell uh, is, is there an <laughs> elevator pitch i mean you're right um... <laughs>
2: Well, it's sort of like you love the urban green spaces around Portland. That's why you want to live here. I mean, I lived in rural areas for 15 years and I thought I was going to want to get the heck out of Portland after I finished grad school. And I didn't want to because we've got great urban green and blue spaces, right? So the reasons why quality of life for so many of us adults here who, you know, land in the middle class and have some free time the reasons why we love it here um, you know, you're already going out doing those things. Why don't you take a young person and their family who might not have the access and the knowledge that you do, along with you, and just sort of capitalize on that experience already and make it more valuable.
1: And then, and then when you say long term, uh, what, 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 what does that mean? Six months, six years?
2: Sometimes it's six years. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We have had a pair go to six years and they're still in contact now in high school. Um, But yeah, the, the research shows that the, the best benefits of mentoring start to um, start to accrue at two years. So we always um, give a goal for that. And, you know, we talk to both sides at, during our kind of extensive interview and matching process, like, do you, do you have any plans to make major changes or especially to move of course, you can never tell what weird emergency might come up in your life, but, you know, we're looking for folks that are, that are, that are here, that are grounded in Portland, that if that relationship goes well, that they could stay together two, three, four, even more years. And those, those relationships are really cool to watch. And sometimes even evolve into um, younger siblings coming along. And then when they get to fourth grade, they're like, Hey, where's my mentor too? So um, yeah, we have some really long-term relationships with families that have come out of that. And that's, Spectacular.
1: No, now seems like a really nice time to take a quick music break. So you brought in, you brought in some uh, uh, older music, my generation <laughs> music as well. do, um, yeah. <laughs> you mind uh, setting that up for us, and let's take a let's take a listen.
2: One of my all time favorite songs is um, "Crowded House" "Weather with You," and it's just to me, it's like no matter what the weather actually is, you're taking your mood along with you when you're going. So I love that for thinking about being outdoors as young people and all year long.
1: Kristen Bolin is the executive director and founder for Urban Nature Partners PDX.
3: Sleep. Do I lie like a lounge room lizard, or do I sing like a bird?
1: That was Crowded House. This is Phil Bussey. It's X-Ray FM, and it is the nonprofit Happy Hour. We're talking with Urban Nature Partners PDX, and before the music break, we were talking with Kristen Bolin, who is the founder, uh, and we're going to come back to her in a moment. We're going to talk to Victor, Victoria Wingell, who is one of the development coordinators, and this is, this is a wonderful idea, uh, partnering uh, fourth graders, pre-teens, with mentors uh, and, and using the outdoors, urban outdoors as a platform, um, but it takes some money <laughs> and and that 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 I that I assume is part of your job. Um, talk to me about some of the challenges and talk to me about the successes that the organization has had.
4: Yeah, so um, we do have a very small staff, um, but we're lucky to have a very uh, strong and devoted board. Um, who spends a lot of time volunteering to help us carry out some events throughout the year. Um, the three ones that we uh, we work on are the Earth Day event, uh, where we host a cleanup of an urban climbing area, super close to Portland, and we're hoping that at some point we can turn this into an area that's perhaps the most accessible climbing area in Portland.
1: And, and where um, is that?
4: Um, at Rocky Butte Park. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, really cute area with lots of potential. Um, And for the past two years now, we've done um, annual Earth Day cleanups where we bring anywhere from 40 to 65 people out there to clean up some of the litter that's been left behind. Um, We also do a donation drive where we collect supplies for the houseless folks who live nearby. Um, And it's just a really great way to get out with the community once the weather starts turning a bit nicer.
1: Great, and then you have another event coming up in late May. Is that correct?
4: We do, yeah. We're partnering with Migration Brewing. Um, they're hosting a Give Back Night for us on May 25th from five to nine PM, um, and they're going to be donating ten percent of all of their sales to our program.
1: Fantastic, fantastic. And how did you get involved? Were you were you uh, were you a climber? Were you a hiker? Or what what what's what's your interest? Or or are you coming to this from the Uh, the nonprofit end of things?
4: You know, I'm kind of coming at it from all of those things. Um, I love being in the outdoors. Um, Rock climbing is a big part of my life, but I also love hiking. Um, I've worked in the nonprofit realm for several years now, and I have a background in fundraising. Um, And one thing that I noticed, especially in the climbing community, is just how inaccessible it is to some folks. Um, It can be expensive. It's it takes mentorship to really learn how to how to use these specific skills. Um, And so it matters a lot to me to be able to help provide access and make this these spaces more inclusive. And so urban nature partners really is just the perfect combination of all these things that I care a lot about.
1: Yeah, rock climbing is an interesting sport in that way, because I guess it's both natural and unnatural. (laughs) If you haven't seen someone jump onto a rock face and and scale up it uh, like Spider-Man, it's maybe not a a natural inclination to do. And and it seems like it does need that mentorship. Um, Have you had a chance to work with any of the kids?
4: Um, I was able to go to one of the outings um, and it was the rock climbing trip actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun watching them um, just play on the walls. It doesn't always have to be a scary thing. And I think that's that's the best part about Urban Nature Partners where there is no pressure to go out and, and do these things that are scary and inaccessible. It's really just opening doors um, to these areas in your local community that you might not even know
0: about.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that is that is fun to think about Uh, once you start to think about looking at a rock face differently as, as more of a jungle gym uh, and and not just a a rock face. Mm -hmm. Um, Victoria Wingell is the development coordinator with urban nature partners, PDX. Um, Kristen, I want to go back to you and talk a little bit about some of the background here, because I think it's, it's both interesting and uh, essential to what the organization stands for. Uh, You for, I believe about 15 years had worked with the park service as a ranger and one of those recognizable brown uniforms, I assume.
2: That's right, uh, Gray. Gray, don't mix us up with the Forest Service there.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> sorry to cross my federal uh, outfits. That's
2: fine. Um, no, we actually do partner with the Forest Service now here um, here in Portland with Big Brothers Big Sisters, so that's really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I had I had the first half of my career in the traditional, you know, wearing the uniform, working out in parks around the Pacific Northwest and and other places in the West, um, you know, doing programs for the general public that comes by and working in visitor centers and things. That was really satisfying, but um, eventually I really wanted to work with the folks that didn't necessarily have the knowledge and resources to get out to those places. So um, we were doing more programming with um, local school classes and I really wanted to focus on you know, working, working with kids that live nearby wild spaces. And so I came to Portland to earn a master's degree in um, education and then you know as aforementioned sort of fell in love with the urban spaces here and said oh wow yeah it doesn't even need to be a national park it should be the places that are in your backyard so that was sort of my evolution there not only to um, which spaces um, belong to everybody um, yes the preserved ones that are you know uh, the geysers at Yosemite etc all those those big iconic places but also all the little spaces close to home can sometimes be as much or even more valuable um, and then sort of the long-term component of having not only relationships with place but relationships with people in place so that really was how the mentoring piece came about for me and i just find it so very satisfying um rather than you know taking strangers on on a walk um, five times a week which which was really fun um this is is satisfying and more deep a deeper way to have those relationships with just a handful of kids and families
1: yeah I like what you said about like the ge- the geysers uh being you know obviously epic and amazing yeah. but not necessarily being part of your backyard or someplace that you could bike or walk to and and that that idea of being integrated in nature integrated into a community um it seems to have a number of parallels with that idea of getting also rid of sort of the, the idea of otherness or removal.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's, there's this dichotomy with, with wild spaces that we don't necessarily belong there. Um, and we are a part of nature, you know, we're animals. (laughs) And we've got green spaces here, here in our urban areas. And yeah, we also, um, we're intentionally not a curriculum-based program. We're not doing environmental education like you would get in a school curriculum. Um, And that's so that our youth and families may have already other meanings with nature, especially those that come from immigrant communities. Um, And that's really important to to honor and um, promote that, right? We have a lot of folks that come from from farming backgrounds, for example, that are really interested in our our gardening activities and things like that. Um, So yeah, everybody comes with already a meaning that they have for for nature. Or if they don't have one, they should have the space and time to develop what it means to them rather than being told. So that's a big part of what we do is just provide time and space for that.
1: Along those lines, is there, do you continue to be surprised by um how people think about nature, how people, I mean, have, have what have you learned in the past couple of years from the participants?
2: Yeah, gosh, um, definitely some of those positive connections um, with farming and gardening, for sure. Um, we also sometimes come up against some, some negative connections that um, are, can be, you know, a challenge to work with for you know, folks that may have immigrated through wild spaces where it didn't feel safe um, or folks that um, even came from spaces where, uh, you know, the, the, wild, the wild spots that were adjacent to towns, you know, had big wild animals in them or something like that. So sometimes the connotations aren't as, you know, fluffy as those of us that were raised in um, American white middle class background, um, but it's all interesting and it's all valid. Um, to figure out you know, how to navigate those things and have these urban green spaces be positive for everybody. Um, one more aspect of that in the United States is we certainly have a lot of environmental racism here. Um, so us being good stewards, not only of those places, but of advocates for everyone being accepted there is really important. Um, we shouldn't fool ourselves to say that that those kinds of things don't happen, that um, folks of different racial or economic backgrounds don't get looked that funny sometimes on the trail or you know, doing something like rock climbing that's been traditionally very white and middle upper class. So breaking down those barriers is also something that's really important for us to do um, both on our own and in coordination with the many partners that we work with.
1: Well, it doesn't sound like you have a lack of work to do. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> both both uh, physical and philosophically speaking. and what last last thing here can you just make a pitch for anyone who's listening to, uh, to become one of the mentors
2: sure um i think uh i think by the time this is on the air we'll be uh maybe with the door closing a little bit but we'd love to hear from somebody last minute um we do a spring recruitment um usually uh march and april each year and sometimes drags into may of looking for a new cohort of mentors to be matched with young people. It's a longer process um, so that we do a really good job of finding out who folks are and making a really good match. Um, so yeah, any any spring or, or again, if you're last minute want to say, oh yeah, hey, let me come in, let me come in the door, please let us know. Um, we also are now um, more throughout the year looking for folks to join our board. Um, We're gonna be doing a revamp of our our second strategic plan at the end of this year and going into next year. Um, So it's a really neat experience to be able to be on the ground floor of a small and growing organization. Um, Like Victoria said, you get to participate in the fundraising. Uh, You have to participate in the fundraising. (laughs) So um, yeah, it's a, it's a really neat experience for folks who um, may have had more, uh, more background in larger nonprofits um, to contribute to building a small organization or for folks that um, have, never, have never worked around nonprofits to get in on the ground floor and get some, some really nice uh, resume building um, in, in being on a board. And we're fun. We're a heck of a lot of fun, right, Victoria? <laughs> We are. We just have. We have a really great group of fun and dedicated adults that come from a wide range of backgrounds. And um, speaking of that, it is really important that the adults um, that work with us represent uh, the communities that uh, that we serve. So folks that come from the BIPOC community or um, more possibly even immigrants, uh, people that are that are female or otherwise from marginalized populations. We'd really, really encourage those folks to step up and be mentors or board members with us. Their experience is so valuable, and you can pay it forward directly to young people.
1: What a great way to re-energize uh, one's understanding uh, of the city and the Absolutely. urban area.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And of course, stop by Migration Brewery uh, May 25th. Is that right? Uh, thank you both. Thank you, Kristen Boland, Executive Director and Founder for Urban Nature Partners PDX, and Victoria Winjell, who is Development Coordinator with the organization. Thank you for talking with us today.
2: Thanks so much. Thank this you. This the
1: Nonprofit Happy Hour and X-Ray FM.
0: Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.